Okay, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa, how you doing? This is so weird, I don't know if I'll ever get used to this, but here I am recording on Zoom. I have a very, very, very special guest today, Charlene Stevens, who is the founder, editor-in-chief of Arcade Project, which is a very important, very well written, very well thought out art zine, blog, uh, site. Uh, Charlene will tell us about it in a minute. But um, before we get started, uh, I just want to remind you to like stay chill. Just fucking stay chill. You know, I realized like I wrote this yesterday on Facebook, but I realized that every night before I go to bed, there's a sense of relief that I feel that I've gotten through the day and I'm getting into bed and I'm healthy. And I, I, it's just, it's so, I don't know. It was just weird to even have that realization that like how important that is just to feel healthy one day, every single day. But um, I think, you know, I'm hoping that this whole thing makes people nicer. That's what I hope, you know, that we realize what's important and it's not a lot of bullshit. Um, and speaking of what's important, Radio Free Brooklyn is way more important now than ever before. And um, I would love you to join us. Go to our website, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. It's a great community. It's a very active community now. Uh, we are very much in touch. We are very much, everyone's doing their shows. Um, and it, any of our show our whole our whole lineup of programming is fabulous there's music there's talks there's politics there's comedy you can so you can download the uh app the radio free brooklyn app on your phone and you can listen to it when you're alone outside or inside and uh we'd love we'd love you to donate i know it's tight for everyone but um we're we're struggling to stay stay around just like everybody else radiofreebrooklyn.org and thanks love you for listening i'm dr lisa here every thursday two to three and you can download my archives got some great inner uh sessions psychotherapy type sessions speaking of psychotherapy type sessions we're here today with charlene so i'm going to tell you about charlene um charlene i was remembering charlene stevens is a huge personality if you haven't met her and if you are involved in art in any way likely you have because like i said she's a huge personality she's charming she's beautiful she's fashionable so fashionable i mean just so i don't know how she does it like who puts that much energy into shit how you look but anyway she she's natural at it i guess you know because she or she enjoys it i guess um but anyway i remember i met her i think originally through a gallerist artist that i work with very often uh christopher stout who's a very dear friend and uh respected colleague with very well respected colleague and i've known her i don't know how long now probably since she's about the time she started arcade project about four years ago so she's somebody who really um, is out and about and really tracking the art 
the art world, the whole thing. And she's actually the first art person I've had on through in the start of this coronavirus isolation time. So we're going to find out from her, uh, her take on it, since she is much more art world immersed than I am. I'm somewhat art world immersed, but she's, she, you know, I do this too. She's focused. So Arcade Projects is a mix of high and low culture and mostly visual arts, but they also um, bring in uh, performing artists, pop culture, critics, everything, activists, philosophers. So uh, hello, Charlene. Thanks for being on the show. How are you doing in this, this, this weird time? Hi, Lisa. Thank you for having me. It's, it is um, bizarre. Um, the best way I could describe um, my experience is, well, in the dystopian films, whether they're zombie flicks or, or, um, or YA, or based on YA novels, they always have the, the montage of when the virus hits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what comes, that's, that's your we, life right yeah, now. When the virus hit, everything turned to crap. And what we are living in now is that sped up montage, but slowed down to real time. Ah, ah, interesting. So, so, so you're looking through it. So ah, interesting. interesting. Thing, I get you. I'm very interested in things like time and space. And, um, and it's like you took that little, so just imagine in the film, when you're taking that little part of the timeline, which is like maybe three minutes of explaining or less or of explaining this and then stretching that timeline out. Huh. So in interesting. agonizing pace. <laughs> I get it. Now Charlene, you're you're an incredibly I think you're a very social person, right? I mean you're great with people, you like people, you go out, you're part of you're part of you're a figure in the community. So um what what's like how are how are you met are you what are you doing about that? Are you, I mean, are you Zooming with people? Are you, what, like, how's your life changed for somebody, for somebody who is in touch with a lot of people? How is, how's it changed? Well, you see, you see the part, the out, the outer part, the social part, but I have lived alone or with my tiny dog for most of my life. And a lot of time is spent on my couch with my remote in hand, mm. uh, recharging. Um, I, I really spend, I spend a lot of time recharging and I ah. really appreciate that great mix. Um, now that I'm home all the time, it's really finding every flaw in my apartment. <laughs> oh, really? I have Marie kondo my closets. Really? And my kitchen cabinets. Wow. Um, I do have a problem with online shopping. You mean you mean in, in a, like like a, a we could we could talk about that like an addiction and you have an you have well, an online addiction a shopping little... addiction. Hey, I just bought a pair of shoes this morning. I bought a couple pairs of shoes and a tote and. I'm I'm building my late spring summer wardrobe mm. because there's so many sales. Ah, and I have the Saks app on my phone and also the Guilt ah. app, 
because um, guilt, guilt is like, you know, that from, it goes from sax to sax with off and guilt is the, is sax with off really. Right, right. So, um, so I, um, uh, I was going to say, so what, oh yeah, so I was going to ask you what sites you use, but you just said. Yeah. We should get some money from guilt for this. And sax. And sacks, yeah, we'll get, we'll, I'll pitch, I'll, t they, they have to sponsor this show now. Right? I think we have given them the promotional consideration. I think you should get them to sponsor arcade projects. I should because, um, they definitely do dress me for every time I'm out uh, representing the brand. You should. Yeah. There we go. We just had a great marketing idea for you. Oh, and Max Mara. Ah, okay, okay. That's, that's so explain in your own words, just so uh, the so the listeners know, and it's not always art people that listen to this. So why don't you explain briefly uh, what Arcade Project is? Okay. Well, Arcade Project began um, when I'm a grad school dropout, mm -hmm. and I wanted to do something instead of paying um, the University of Leiden another, I don't know, 20 grand or something to go to let, to let have them read my thesis. Uh, I agree. You're talking about instead of getting a master's degree. Right. I, mean, yeah. Yeah. I was in the middle right before the thesis. Um, uh, and so I'm like, well, you know, um, I'm just going to create something. Mm -hmm. I don't put something out in the world. I never will. And, um, instead of waiting to be validated with a piece of paper, I'm just going to put it out there. So I, I lived in a loft building in Bushwick and everyone had a project and a hustle. Oh, wow. Like, why isn't someone putting out, you know, shining a light on a spotlight on this. Mm -hmm. I'm surrounded by creatives and all of these ideas and stuff. And like I had one neighbor who, was a violinist um, who also um, did hip hop and another neighbor who designed lingerie, another neighbor who made films. Another, I mean, everybody did something. Mm -hmm. And the first um, idea was for a print zine because I love zines and zine culture. Mm -hmm. And that, and so the name of course is a variation on Walter Benjamin's um, The Arcades Project. Oh could be described, he's described as the granddaddy of um, postmodernism. See, I didn't even get that reference. We got to look that up, folks. We got to look that up. Will you send me a link that I can post after sure. this and I'll put it up so, so we can all, I've heard of him, but I don't know about that. And the, and the book. See, I'm educating you guys, okay? And the book is called, um, is, has been described as a literary collage. Yeah, I guess that's a really good way to put it. I mean, the writing is really important. It's like, it's the writing and the visuals, but I also think that um, it has a lot of a voice, like your voice, I mean, or it has a very personal, it has a personality. And the personality finally came in. A former uh -huh. friend of mine, <laughs> um, suggested I become the, the face of um, my publication. When it first opened, uh, when I first launched, I went by M.C. Stevens. Mm -hmm. And I, for, uh, I know I was the only black woman publishing an art magazine in New York. 
Right. I used to always mess with Akeem Duncan of Quiet Lunch because he said the only black owned and operated art magazine. I'm like, really, Akeem? <laughs> That's so funny. But, but the I, mean, I mean, and in saying that, I find, I find um, Arcade Project to be very diverse. I mean, I don't think it has a specific point of view from any you know, any race or yeah, it wasn't a, or right? I mean, it's- The concept pretty, was not to be a black magazine. Yeah, I mean, it's- It's a not, magazine that's founded by a black woman. Right, right, right. And that's important to, I mean- But I didn't even want to point that out. I went by my first, and my initials, M. Uh, and uh, that, um, and I think at the end of the White Allies article in Hyperallergic, where I was saying I wanted to remove any hints of gender or um, any hints of gender from my name at first. So that was my pen name was M.C. Stevens for Melva Charlene Stevens. And finally, it was suggested after a couple of years that I step out and become the face of my brand. And I think you were saying that I was into fashion. That's why. Oh, <laughs> but you're but, also um, talented fashion. I mean, yeah. I mean, you you're you're good in public. Thank you. <laughs> but it's because um, because I re I stepped out, and so I started using my name. Uh huh. Um, I'm Charlene Stevens, and I started putting my own image into things in the last couple of years. Right. Um, and so now, now I'm okay with um, representing yeah, my per brand. Personally, I really, I mean, I, I, that's part of what I really enjoy about what you do is that um, you're somebody that's a, that's a really important, you know, that's, it's not just, you're an important part of the community, but you are part of the fabric of the whole community. So it's not, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're a real presence. And I think that, um, and a very, you know, you know what else I really like about you, Charlene? I always find you incredibly welcoming. Like if I'm at, if I'm at like an opening or some weird freaky art thing and I'm like, there's Charlene. Okay. Somebody I can talk to. Somebody that I'm going to feel accepts me and I will feel confident with. Confident. Well, probably, it's probably the same way I feel when I see you. <laughs> oh, really? Aww. We like scan the room. Oh my goodness, do I know anyone here? Do I know? Oh, yes, thank goodness. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm with this really fashionable, intelligent present, you know. And Charlene, if you don't know her, she's how tall are you? I'm 5'9. Well, yeah, I've, I've shrunk it an inch, but yeah, so she's got that. like a presence and stuff like that. And I'm like, look. It's me, but I'm with this really uh, amazing, attractive woman. So everything's like, I'm not a loser. I'm not. But um, Charlene, you know, it's funny because uh, when we were doing, speaking earlier, setting up this interview, you know, and I, I pointed out how I perceive you and how I believe other people perceive you. You insist that you're really shy or, 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 or not that person. And... And I think that's common, but what what do you mean by that? You're well, not you're not the person that we think you are, or who are you? <laughs> there's a lot of overcompensation. Um, oh, really? When I was I was a very very awkward looking child. Awkward looking? Yes, I was. They I was completely made fun of through really? most of my childhood. 
for being ugly. Really? Yes. Um, I was I was the one like in middle school who no one asked to dance in the school dances. Oh my God, really? Um, my self-esteem was in the toilet most of my life where, um, you know, I got a little cuter with age. And I, you know, woman. I mean, there's yeah. no question. Yeah. Um, and that was the one gift that I aged better than everybody else. That I, oh, ah. But, um, but you know, a lot of people that peaked earlier, you know, I can, I'm now I'm like, okay, cool. I guess it's good to, you know, to be a late bloomer, but, um, but it really messed with my head. And as a result, I didn't have the confidence. Wait, the reason can, why can I how must... old you are? Can we say how old you are? I'm 50. I know, and I was sure you were like 35 max. And I don't think a lot of people realize that you're 50. I mean, that's crazy. But well, so, I so I just the reason I want you guys to know this is because Charlene's saying she's a late bloomer. So that's what we mean when that's there's your frame of reference. Okay. So um so go ahead. You were saying about um what happened in Oh, so um yeah, I didn't know school, right? I lost arcade project four years ago. Um I I really didn't feel before then that I was worth it. I or I was good enough. I've always had some type of imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And it didn't it really didn't hit me that I'm I'm actually surrounded by a lot of people who are way less competent than me most of the time, but, but are just overconfident. They're like, no I'm comment. Surrounded by no a lot of, comment. <laughs> I'm surrounded by a lot of Jared Kushner's. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Where, you know, just really overconfident people who just step out and do it anyway. Well, you're sort of in a, um, like a management or a, uh, you're in a position um of running something with authority position so you probably like when a lot of the things that you go to or you're probably around more people like you you know what i mean like i don't uh, well i don't know about you know. people like me i'm around i'm i'm just it's, it's everybody's faking it till they make it the me the media people is what i mean so um why so has doing um arcade projects changed your sense of self then would you say that yes um i because i've had to play many roles number one i found um being become going from being someone's assistant to a manager okay. i worked for a friend of mine years ago and i sucked i was a horrible employee what did you do I was an assistant to an art advisor. Oh, okay. And I just sucked. Why? why? And, <laughs> and I and I didn't. And, but I didn't realize how badly I sucked. Oh, was it? I was started. It, was it like an, a lot of administrative work? Yeah, like, it was a little bit. Like of your gift is with people and writing. Well, I think. No, or, I you just, know, or documenting, but but. Was that job, was that job that you had, was that like, um, you know, a behind the scenes type job? It was a behind the scenes type job. Uh, I, it was really, it really wasn't like the quality of my work was always, it was always top notch. Right. It was my work ethic. Oh. That I didn't love the job enough or myself enough to right. look like I wanted to be there. I, you know, 
just um, waking up early, calling your boss before your boss calls you. Right. You know, know, looking like you actually, you know, and I, or just like, I didn't realize how badly I sucked my work ethic sucked until I got a work ethic and then worked with people without, whose work ethic sucked. It's just like people who have children. Like duh, I've, I've heard from my friends that have baby, have children that I didn't realize how much my mother loved me until I gave birth to my child. Oh, wow. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So I, was yeah. like, I didn't realize how much I sucked as an employee until I became a boss. Yeah, because you have a big personality. And I think that's a really important thing for you to have out in the world. And when you're like, like most people working for other people, that's just you're not the face of anything. So I could see how this would um, how like, you, you know, you would be more you doing what you're doing now and how that could really, you know, you're a better fit for this. You weren't a good, that wasn't your nature. What you're doing now is a much better fit for your nature. But when you say imposter syndrome, what do you think that comes from? How, how are you, what, what about your parents growing up? Like, did they encourage you? Did you have brothers or sisters? Oh, I have a half brother that, uh, um, he hadn't done anything interesting or, But when you grew up, you did you grow up with both your parents? I grew up with both my parents, and I was the only child in the house. Um, I do have a half brother, but he was nine years older than me and lived with his mother. Yeah, so he wasn't Um, part of your day. I grew up as an only child, pretty much. Your household, right? So, did your parents? Were you good in school? Did your parents encourage you? Well, what did your parents do? My mother was um, educated. was an educational researcher. She directed the research and evaluation department of LUSD and um, did some rewriting of the SAT for the College Board after that, and then also um, worked with the National Science Foundation and um, helped rewrite the teacher training program in um, so you got a smart mom townships after apartheid right. yeah what about husband. your dad what about your so dad my father was a probation officer mm-hmm. he hit a ceiling way before my mother did so my parents were part of um what we called a black elite in los angeles and there was they're, they're both you're 100 percent african-american right oh yes yeah. so i am the product of two <laughs> i'm the product of two Black parents who are descendants of the North Atlantic slave trade. Oh my God. Wow. You know, that's one of the things that I love about uh, David Fry, my uh-huh. uh, work. I don't know why I'm blanking on his, I got his name right. Um, one of the things, I mean, I love his, there's so much to love about his work, but that's one of the things that I love about his work is how directly he deals with his ancestry and the slave trade. Well, because it's always present. I mean, but we, I am, I mean, I am a walking casualty of unchecked capitalism. What do you mean? That like capitalism and greed are the reason why I live on this continent rather than the African continent. Oh, right, 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 right. You know, it's like um, the Europeans love for sugar is the reason why people live like in the like why why Africans 
are in the West Indies rather than, I mean, there's a reason why yeah. we're here. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't yeah. choice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, you know, whenever it's like, like, oh, we're a country of immigrants, I'm like, uh, no, wait, you're wait. right. We're not, not a country of immigrants, immigrants at all. Right. No, and also that that totally discounts the uh, Native Americans, like who, like mm -hmm. exactly who fucked up. You know what? We could we. I don't want to digress. Okay, so, so wait, I'll get. I'll start getting that. upset about this whole fucking. Okay, so going into that, that with David Fry, I'll get worked up. That makes okay. me so mad. But so um, it's ever it's ever present. Like we're very connected to it, and we see. And as a black person in America, everything is hypocrisy writ large right 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 um, every holiday we celebrate every um pledging allegiance to a flag yeah you know, right um everything is just it, it's you know we're taught it's it just imagine the what i'm filtering things through i know my family reunion every august happens in the town by the plantation where wow. my, on the, with my father's side, the wow. last slave ancestor was. Wow. There, there is a slave cemetery on, the, on this plantation ground, um, grounds where, and the family that owned my family <gasps> still owns that property and gives us permission to visit the graves of our ancestors. Oh my God. Oh their my property. God. Oh my God. God. That's, you oh know. my God. You know oh how God. the performance how do they deal with your family? How do they deal with your family? Like, um, are they, I haven't, they feel I haven't bad? done it. Because, feel bad? I don't know. I don't, because this is like my extended family. This is in Georgia. You're not involved in that shit. I've only been to the family, I only went to the family reunion once um, when I was six with um, okay. well, my so friend. Anyway, that's, that's just. But, but that's, one day I do want to walk up to, you know, and have this very well documented, uh, walk up, knock on the door of the Summerall plantation and hand them an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we gotta do that. Let's. Yeah, I mean, I also, I also made art. You know, <laughs> I'm like, that, that oh, would be. Got, oh, you made art about. We got. No, no, do I, that. I, I, I also that idea. I want to yeah. do that with you. Well, I want to make that video. So yeah. anyway, back to you. Back to you. The imposter syndrome. I'm gonna make because um, because my it. mother was perfect. Yeah, and I wasn't like her. You what? I wasn't. My mother was very. Smart and very scientific. Hardworking, did everything right, very popular. Detail-oriented. Uh, um, but no, she, she, she had a successful career. Yeah. And also was active in a black sorority. Whoa. Um, like, you know, I'm, I'm also, the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the product of a Delta and a Kappa who met at a Kappa party. Oh, my God. God, <laughs> you know my husband was president of his fraternity at Rutgers. Really? Yeah. So I forgive you for that. And well, you no, know, the black the black Greek system is oh, good. That's like my mother was active in her sorority until the day she died. Wow. Wow. Um, so, like, no, it's um the black Greek system. They are they are um, considered service organizations. They don't have houses. Oh. They don't invest in real estate. 
Oh, it's very different. Yeah, I mean, well, the Kappa House served all of the LA okay, area. Okay, okay, okay. We're going, no, we're not getting off on that tangent. But I'm just saying, no, syndrome. Let's get back. You're so avoiding, you know, I feel like you're avoiding talking <laughs> about it. Are you, are you uncomfortable? I mean, I mean, it doesn't matter if we talk about it or not. I just want to know if you're uncomfortable talking about your own. Okay, when someone says I'm a good writer, uh huh, it really gives me, it means everything to me, but it's hard to believe. Um, when I write something, uh-huh. I am always terrified that it's not good enough. But, but don't you think a lot of creative people feel that way? That it's really common? Uh, yeah. Um, do you think creative people don't talk about that enough? I don't, yeah, I think creative people don't talk about that enough. I think that creative people, and also maybe how the media uh, represents creative people, makes it look like it just comes out easily. Yeah, I mean, I'm always worried that I suck. I don't think I hide that. I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, I'm also like, well, you know, I'm also maybe more, you know, it's part of who I am or whatever. But I, I always, but you know what I wonder about? I wonder about people that present themselves, artists that present themselves as really confident or people um, are actually more, like I think, I think my husband thinks that my self-deprecating humor gets in my way, like that I'm, I'm like, denigrate myself you can always tell where someone's insecure i mean it's, and it's where your deprecating humor targets like um like or i don't know but i'm trying to think of where your humor i think maybe i don't think like for example i think you think you're way less cool than you are like you are fabulous oh thanks but, you know, but i think you, but i think you see the humor in it Right. Like, I love the concept of the Studio 54 reject. Uh-huh. Thank it's, you. It's saying, I wasn't considered cool enough for this. Right, right, right. Yeah, and those Studio 54 you can laugh about about that that without fun. being, yeah, but without, but the fact that you can laugh about it without being butthurt, like, saying, oh, well, but Studio 54 sucked, and, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, well, I hate more disco sucks. You can just laugh about it and say, you know, the the cool part about you is that you're laughing about not being cool in in that in those eyes in that time. Right, right, right. But I mean, my my thing is like I'm gonna call myself a dork before it's a defense. So I'm gonna call yeah. myself a dork before you do. But um, you know, I mean, that's that's a whole other story. That's the, I mean, that would be getting into like like. You know, then I, I mean, then we would just be reversing roles and make the. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I mean, but that, that, so, um, but like, so you, but I don't like, by contrast, say, like, I don't present as, you know, like you present as a powerful person. You're tall, you're well dressed, you're articulate, um, you present. Like I present weirdness, say, and you present, you know, cultivation and and some and authority, right? Well, you so I'm weird. saying, like, I don't. We're talking about imposter syndrome, and I think that, you know, if anything, like somebody like me is probably more confident, or like 
like you're appearing more confident than you are. Right. Um, and I'm yeah, appearing whole, less confident than I am, perhaps. Yeah, I right? think I think you've nailed it. And and the whole thing with me, the my current persona is cultivated and still, and I'm still smoothing the edges. Mm -hmm. uh, I have always been weird. My mother said, I repeated first grade because I did, I skipped kindergarten and I started first grade when I was four. Mm -hmm. And then we moved. Wow. And then we moved to another school and she saw me and she said she saw me like um, in the class picture. And I'm four, and I'm for, and, and I'm four and a half because I was um, my birthday's in October, so I was always younger, a little younger. And and there was the first grade class, and they said me, and like I'm just like my arms are flailing in the air, you know. I'm just I'm just this spaz, mm -hmm. you know, mature. And um, so she said, so for for social reasons. She made me do first grade again when I was like, we moved to a new neighborhood and I changed school. Yeah, no, that sounds And smart. she was like not putting me in second grade as a five and a half year old who was not, who was very immature at five and a half. Ah. So I was always kind of offbeat, weird. I didn't really fit into my family. Um, Why did you fit into your family? You mean, was your mom like, your mom like had really... She was, she was really had like high standards. Did you my feel mother like was very, was, my mother was, was a very prominent member of the black bourgeoisie. Uh -huh. so she had um, a lot of authority. She, she had, she was a, she was a leader. She was, people looked she up was, to her. people looked up, she ran things, you know, she, you know, she, oh, she, yeah, she, people looked up to her, people, she was a very good friend, she mentored a lot of people, but she was, I, I was so intimidated by her. Oh, you were intimidated by your own mother? Yes. Wow. Wow. Oh That's my goodness, powerful. yes. How, oh, did she I, cultivate that? I could that? never, I could <laughs> never hope to be anything like her. Did she cultivate that? Did she know that about you, that you were intimidated by I, her? I tried to tell her. You know, she passed away in um, 2018. So yeah, I remember. It wasn't that long now. ago. And I'm really sorry. I know that must have been, like, you guys were really close, right? I mean, yeah. no? Complicated. It's um, hard. <laughs> it's complicated. Complicated. Okay, well, we have all <laughs> But I never, I rejected like step, stepping her footsteps. And I was known as Flo's daughter. Oh, oh. Daughter. Um, and I just, um, you know, I could have like, you know, I, I had all the tools. Right. You know, to just, just follow it or, you know, follow her path. And right. I rejected it. I was like, nah. <laughs> Why, why, why do you, I mean, it's, I'm guessing that it didn't suit your nature. I was drawn to rebels. Yeah. Do you think that I was, was partly because you didn't want to be like, you were like, you, did, did, do you feel like, do you feel like sort of angry? Did you feel sort of angry at her in the way of like, you think you're so great? Was there well, any? No, I just, there? Like, one thing when you think you're so great, it's just like, you're perfect. Like my mother was like, I got straight A's in school. 
I had a job since I was 13. I didn't have sex until I was married. I didn't have sex until I was married again, <laughs> you know. Um, like, I, you know, always very dressed appropriately. You know, she had her closet full of ball gowns. She had her closet full of work clothes. I still, I wear her clothes. Her clothes yeah. are, give me power. Wow. Because she's a powerful wow. woman. And That's this is okay. where, you know, that is like a really, um, unusual situation to be in as um a black person right a black woman is like because your mother had had a lot of power and respect and authority and but that, also hit a very low glass ceiling career-wise a very what a very low glass ceiling what do you mean? It wasn't like, like a white lady's glass ceiling. Which oh, is a, a bit higher than a black lady's glass ceiling. Oh, yeah. We don't think about that, do we, white people, white ladies? No, you're right. So in other words, um, she was able to, uh, tra you know, yeah, she was able to really lead. And it yeah. wasn't like you didn't have to be the CEO of a big company in order to do that. Well, no, she worked in, you know, she worked in education. Yeah. So she, yeah, but do you, do, you, do you respect, you respect her values and everything? I completely respect almost, I mean, pretty much everything about her. Yeah. Like we were like oil, like we were like oil and water, but um, she had a great example of um, a work ethic. Um, she was excellent managing money. Oh, that's so great. My parents were not wealthy, but they always took fabulous vacations, had a vacation home, oh, had, yeah. uh, knew how to save. What was um, your mom's what was your mom's relationship with your dad? Like like your mom was obviously like the power, the the one who she was a breadwinner, right? No, 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 I, they both they both made money. My mother made it, I probably made a tiny bit more than him, but. But your mother was like the leader in the community. What was your father? Well, my father was one too. Oh, I didn't know that. My father was so active in his, my father was very active in his fraternity. Oh. My father, um, my, um, he, so he was always active in a service um, organization in a leadership role. He took a leadership role in his church. Our family, um, pretty much supported that little church for decades. Um, but that was where, you know, that was where he landed from, um, from when he first moved to California. And, you know, that was, that was really his extended family. You know, when you talk about your parents, you really focus a lot more on your mom. And, and that's what I'm kind of wondering about. Like, why is your mom? A My mom, I think, was more of a, more of a presence. Uh-huh. Just by her charisma? I might, yes. Um, and also she was, but she was more of a leader. She, I mean, a leader on the thing that she would, she had to, she had to be in charge of stuff. Like, ah. for example, I only got to plan one Mother's Day. Oh, I know what you mean. Because I'm like, well, I think, okay, I'm going to do this. Charlene, I think you're the same way, that you're only comfortable if you're in charge of stuff. <laughs> Well, you know what? Well, you're most comfortable. Let's put it this way. This is what I think. I think you're most comfortable if you're in charge of stuff, but that your relationship with your mom made it kind of confusing because she's such a good girl. And like to you, I think maybe good girl 
equals being in charge of stuff. And I think it took you a, a longer time to be like a rebel in charge of stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, because I rebel less now, though. That's the problem. What happened is I'm becoming more like my mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, this this is why this think, works. Like, um, like I said, I mean, I'm really sorry that you lost your mom. Do you think that you're, you've changed not having her, you know, as an active person? I always say when people pass away, they, you know, your relationship with them is you always have a relationship with them it just changes when somebody's physically gone from your life it just changes it's not over or or you know or less really it just changes so do you think that your relationship with your mom has changed since she hasn't been here well i think it's better i mean i mean i hate to say that we didn't really we were early our relationship was complicated now everything is idealized and I do tap into her memory things like when I I always like to wear a piece of her clothing or a piece of her jewelry when I'm out in the world but, and it gives me and um, I can feel her power and I'm inspired by you know her success but do you feel like maybe you're also able to be more of yourself because like you know you're not comparing yourself to her you're like more looking at her looking up to her respecting her and it's less like it's you're actually in a certain way the relationship that you have with her is more separated and maybe you're able like i think perhaps you have a lot of her nature and being a leader and the charisma and actually your intelligence and a lot of that other stuff but i think maybe being rebellious um kept you from expressing those strengths and i'm wondering about that does that make any sense like yeah. now she's not here physically maybe it's liberated you to express your own strengths more do you think that's possible i think so and sense? also there's nothing to rebel against right. <laughs> i mean and also I'm, the reason why i guess it's the mother thing was a little more significant is because um my she was my last parent my father passed a few years before uh, mm -hmm. so that's why it was more significant that all of a sudden it became real. Um, a lot of friends became real adults when they had children. Mm -hmm. I didn't hit that milestone. Because you didn't have kids. So I think the next part that makes you a real adult is when you don't have any parents anymore. Because yeah. then all of a sudden you are the adult. Right, right. Like there's no place to go. I can right. never just say, oh, New York's too much. I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna go home to live with my uh, Oh, did yeah. you did you use that as a place to go? Like you're like, okay, I could go and stay with well, my mom now. I mean, if like for example, like in your 30s, like if you lose your job and you can't pay your right. rent, you can always go home. Mm -hmm. You know, Do you think you would have been with your mom during the pandemic now. Um, on there, like you know, she pro presumably she has a house or had a house um would i be with her during nah <laughs> if i lived here i'd be here um okay. but i've been with her a couple times when i when i moved back into her place yeah it was an like, option you know, but, it was a viable like, like, it was a, it was something that you had it was an option yeah so, or, I mean, yeah <laughs> but um today i know that this is it you mm -hmm. know the, the money i have in my bank account that's it. 
mm-hmm. you know, this apartment, that's it. Like there's, I don't have in a box at my mom's or anything. Um, right, 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 right. Interesting. You know, the good, I mean, the good dishes are my good dishes, you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, mm-hmm. that's interesting. And I, you know, but there's a break from that. And usually it happens when you get married, you know, and you, or buy, or you purchase your home or you have a child. Right. Or, but, and so it's just a large. So maybe a that's why you think of yourself as a late bloomer. Maybe that's connected. Interesting. Well, it's because I didn't hit those milestones. I, um, but now I didn't, but, I didn't yeah. get married and have children. Right. Right. I didn't buy a home. Right. But what I'm saying is now that you're on your own, say, maybe that's why you call yourself a late bloomer, because that's kind of what it took for you to make that transition to like, hey, I'm here. I'm on my own. And there's a lot of strength. I mean, um, you, as you might know, I mean, I didn't get married until I was 54 and I had a lot of years um, I think as a woman spending a large part of, you know, your adult life, having to take care of yourself is a real, gives you so much strength. Don't you, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, knowing you can, knowing you're taking care of yourself. So you're better prepared for life. I haven't really been taking care of myself. I still have had some things to fall back on. I mean, oh, okay. What, if, it were, if it were up to me right now, I would. I mean, and that's like if we want to go. Do you want to? Do you want to elaborate on that or not? You don't have to. Oh no! I mean, I I was fortunate enough to have a family that was um, able to and willing to support my my. So you got some financial help. I got some help. That's and, and I got some help. I'm still getting a little help. Yeah, you get a little help. Okay. Well, you know but, what? A but, lot of people um, but, a lot. Is, but you know what? You're also using it to further other people. So I think I think it's I think you know it's that thanks to your family for giving you the help to help everybody else. <laughs> but I can't. <laughs> I can't. It can't continue. And the purpose yeah. of so I redesigned this. Um, I we had the site redesigned. Um, our yeah, it's beautiful. It's really for the great. fourth anniversary, and we launched um, four years ago at Armory. So, right. so we have this new site. It has advertising space. Right, so right, right. We have a banner, and we have a sidebar for button ads. And the goal was, you know, because we need to become more. Uh, we need to become. We need to become self-sustaining. Right, right, right. And I've been, I've put money into this. I mean, cause I pay, right, right, right. I pay my writers and editors and photographers, right. and, you know, right. I, I, I have, I have contractors I have to pay out. And so let, let's get some, let's get you some more advertising. Yeah. Um, let's get you some more advertising. Now, right now I'm almost giving it away, you know, during the, during the pandemic. But hopefully people remember the love when this lifts. Yeah, 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 yeah. And also, like, people, you're probably going to get more eyeballs anyway just by the nature of people being home. So we only have, um, oh, shoot. We only have 11 (laughs) minutes left, really 10, because i got to close out the show. But I just wanted to get your thoughts on what, 
what, how do you think the pandemic is going to change the art world in general? How people I are have experience a art? Well, right now we have a lot of cultural workers that have been laid off that will not be getting hired back. And I was in the middle of looking for work. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> I looking for a day job. And, um, and now I'm kind of scared because they're, everyone's now competing. There are a lot of people competing for, that will be competing for less jobs when this lifts. Right. Some of these jobs are not coming back. I, don't right. believe, I agree with Jerry Saltz that some of these galleries are not coming back. Right. And, and we're going to, you know, it's really laying bare how frail and how fragile the economy in many ways, but in the art world, we have so many contract employees like me, you know, mm -hmm. you have guest curators and stuff like that, or right. I have contract employees, but we've always been barely hanging by a thread as it is. Mm -hmm. Like, right. you, know, like when, you, know, you see people in the art world that are like, just like, oh my God, I made rent. Yeah, no, no, I get I it. I paid rent on time. I mean, it's just, so when everything's frozen and everyone is great for the people, well, if you were laid off, hey, lucky you can get unemployment. They're going to add another 600 to that. And da, da, da. I didn't have anything to get laid off from. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so, but I have a small business. Um, right. And I got to pay people. Right. Right. I'm not going to shut down because you're not. You're not. I have a very low overhead. But good. good. Hear that, guys? Which is another good reason to advertise on Arcade Project. Yes, we want to stick around. And You're going to. Yes. I'm supposed to be promoting Radio Free Brooklyn. Advertise on our site. I don't know. I hope I don't get in trouble. <laughs> I am. And so, but, um, but I'm afraid of the whole day job thing. That now I, there's, a, there's a highly qualified pool of there's going to be a highly qualified pool of applicants for everything mm -hmm. and just the it, there's going to be a reshuffling yeah yeah don't you think that um there's also a lot of people like i don't know i hope it's a meritocracy when the reshuffling gets done but <laughs> <Never> the, whole, <laughs> the whole unlike now but the whole, <laughs> the whole um the whole like um, uh, model, the whole business model of the art world, like you know, like I was reading, like uh, is it was David Zwerner, like he was saying that, uh, you know, this is great selling art online. I'm less art fairs. I don't think there'll be that many art fairs. I mean, well, David Zwerner is always going to be okay. So right. we know Warner that has like a built-in clientele and right. you know selling blue chip art, um, also publishing, um, also I've noticed providing a platform for other galleries during the coronavirus. Right. Yes, I know. And I know. Which is great that he's doing that, and I think that's going to help him. But the problem but he's also, is, he's also more. He's also seems like he's more focused on the secondary market sales. Right. And for you guys that don't know, secondary market is when uh, they resell art like baseball cards, very expensive art, and um, it's already famous, it already has a value t uh, to it, and it doesn't really do anything to um, 
anything much. It, it's not it's not like contemporary art by live artists really uh, furthering the conversation about the culture, right? I think that's well, true. In the primary market, is he's still dealing with, you know, he's one of the top three. So he's dealing yeah. with the super, super But super I, I think that, like, when you talk about investments and stuff like that, it seems to me like, you know, whatever emerging art or contemporary art um, are going to be more separated from the blue chip market. Well, that's not, this is the ones that are going to lose out. These are the galleries that are going to close. They're the ones that are dealing with the emerging markets that maybe don't have, the ones that maybe don't have a trust fund backing them or, you know. The ones that were getting by by selling contemporary art. Right. By you know, the, um, the ones. Right. Just getting by. You don't by. have a built-in clientele that are just going to buy work that they haven't seen in person. I don't want to buy work I haven't seen in person. I hate to say this, but. Well, maybe you can return it. You can, sh I mean, maybe people will be able to, you can, you can return no, like, it. Like, like, like sacks? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But um, I think I think that what's also going to be I think what we're really talking about is the galleries that are sort of passion project by um, by dealers that love art, love artists, love putting art out into the world, and they're not doing it to get rich. And I think that's a really important part of the cultural dialogue discussion is that kind of art art that's like just great and appreciated for the actual work that it is and i think those are the galleries that are going to have a really hard time yeah and it's everybody everybody has such small margins right but yeah. also i, mean, I think it's that hard. It, i don't i just don't see everything opening up again i really i i really think but, that but i think it's going to have another market where it's people are going to get more used to buying work online right i don't know see but i think the whole buying work online is an insult to anyone who's not even photographers is an insult too I I'm, a I'm a photographer and i love and i'm a printer i mean i love paper I love, you know, I love chemicals. I love, I mean, I, I loved analog printing and, mm -hmm. and um, old and experimental processes and stuff like right. that. Um, I really love photography as an art and, and, but the, what a state of person. Object. But what about painters? That is the most insulting thing on earth to tell a painter that your texture, your brushstrokes, your ground, your, the medium, um, your pigments, none of that matters. I, I agree only I agree with you 100%, but the thing is, um, just on a pragmatic level, I think people are gonna start, I don't think that, I think it's insulting to the work, but I still think that people are starting to buy work that way more. Well, I'm happy yeah. for them. I, I don't even wanna really, uh, this is going to be the first time that I'm really going to write reviews about stuff I haven't seen in person. Right. Um, I'm just, I'm old school, but I also still call people on the phone. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, it, I'm not, yeah. I'm, I don't know what they're going to say. I'm a Gen X and 
I make phone calls and <laughs> so this is the first time that you'll so that's a really big difference where you're going like, to be writing I about like, work that you haven't seen in person. Yeah, I like art in person. Um so I think that's what's gonna change that's gonna be the difference. Like when you have an online viewing room and it's just still images of the work, I'm not gonna find that as engaging as um something like a video interview. Um, who was, there's a show um, at Latchkey Gallery. Mm -hmm. I forgot the artist names, but I think it was curated or it's just the talk was organized. And they did a little talk with the two artists on Zoom mm -hmm. with, um, with Niamh Sandy, mm -hmm. who's just an incredible, I mean, she's like the hottest thing mm -hmm. curator. Um, She's, her career's on fire. She's doing mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. um, she currently um, directs, um, is a curator at Jenkins Johnson, Jenkins Johnson Projects in Brooklyn. Uh -huh. But she also does a lot of, um, um, she's done a lot of guest curation and um, projects yeah. all around town. two she, minutes. I'm just giving you a warning. And before, but this was, oh, this yeah. was successful because it was, they did the talk on Zoom and it was like three people, but they had something more than just showing a still image. Right, 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 right. I wanted to point out this article that you wrote um, that you have up now on Arcade Project, which I personally really, really enjoyed, artist Instagrams to watch during quarantine. And you had like artists that I'd never heard of and stuff like that and, and, and really, really good work. And, you know, I was really grateful to have those artists pointed out to me. Now, that's a kind of story that you wouldn't necessarily have at another time. And I think that is a great way to um, use, you know, the promote online work, online artists, right? I think so, too. And they're not online. I mean, I have... Well, yeah, I, they're not. No one's an online artist. Yeah. Well, maybe. Wanna, but, yeah, they're emerging and, and, like, fresh emerging artists. I... Right. I hired an army of interns and there is one named Rhea mm -hmm. and she, um, um, she drew from her pool, ah. like fresh out of art school ah. doing great, but yes, it's an, that was great. Yeah. Rhea Nayar. Rhea Nayar. Rhea Nayar. And, she, yeah. Yeah, and, she's like, and she's like, well, you know, I, but I know it might, like, no, this is the time. Hey, this is how we do it, you know, promote. Right, right. If you if you have friends that are doing some really cool Char Charlene, I've got 30 seconds left and I got to get my station ID. So I'm just going to say thank you so, so, so much. This is great. Stick around after and then I'll talk to you when the show's over, okay? Okay. So anyway, thanks so much for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, it's the greatest station in the Western Hemisphere. And stick around. We've got Lost and Rewound right after this. Okay.